Romans chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, turn there. This morning I want to talk about the flow of access. I want to talk about the flow of access. There are things in the kingdom of God. Remember we've been talking about this this thing that we're in. We're not in a religion. We're not in a belief system. We're not in Christianity and that's just what we think and say and believe and talk about. But we're living actually in a kingdom, in a government system. Uh, that is from heaven and should be taking place on this earth. That's what we're in. That's what you and I are in. And there are some things that we are to access from that realm. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, he told them, pray like this. And he said, pray that God's will in heaven would take place on the earth. Well, how do we get this to happen? It's through us. It's through mankind. But there's a position that we're supposed to be in that allows the kingdom to enter this earth through us. Jesus told uh, people in the Bible, he said, the kingdom of God is within you, which means that it first starts inside you and comes through you. That is how the kingdom is going to be advanced in this earth. God's not coming down here and saying, hey, I'm king, and let me take over and run things how they need to be. He's given you the authority to do that. He's given you the power. But there's a position we need to be in because this doesn't just happen. Well, if God wants to use me, God wants to use every single person in this room. But you can cut off the flow of access. You can cut off that flow of authority in your life. So I want to look at something here today that I think is going to open our eyes to something. And it's going to cause us to live differently and and do things differently. We're going to be a little more careful careful, uh, from here on out. Today, uh, starting with Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We've heard this, this verse before. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I think it's interesting that the way this verse is written, it's broken up in two parts. There's a comma between here. It says that faith comes by hearing, which means that that part right there, that part of the verse can be can stand alone. That is a true statement. Faith comes by hearing. And then he finishes it and says that hearing comes by the word of God. This word hearing actually means understanding. This word hearing is not just you listening to what I'm saying and it going in your ears. Because we'll look at it here in a moment. Jesus in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13 said that people hear and some people understand. And so we'll look at this, that every single person that was sown the word, remember the the word was sown on the wayside. It was sown among uh, dry ground. It was sown among thorns. And then it was sown on good ground. All four of those instances, people heard the word. But there's another step that has to take place, and it's understanding it's understanding. This morning we had morning prayer. Uh, we've got morning prayer um, every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, and that's a good time to come in unity, uh, in corporate together, um, and, and praying and as a body, lifting up this church. Because this church is here for a reason, amen? 
we're here and we're going to do things in this city, but it's going to require us coming together as a unit. I can't do it by myself. But this morning we took some time to pray, and, and we prayed that we would have understanding in the word. We prayed that there would be clarity in the word, that when the word goes forth, it would go with clarity, that people would have insight by the Spirit of God and revelation and wisdom. But there's something about understanding the word that has to take place. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by understanding. And then understanding by the word. Understanding the word will build your faith. If we are lacking in faith, then we're probably lacking in understanding something. Because this is where it's built. Any person that's having struggle, uh, uh, struggling with anything in life, whether it be a physical thing, a financial thing, a job thing, uh, a marriage issue, anything, it requires us to have faith in God's word. But what I want to point out here is that Paul broke out this first part. Faith comes by hearing. What I want to address today is our flow of information. I want to address the flow of what we're hearing. Because what you're hearing or what you're giving yourself to the most, that's where your faith is being built. Your faith, you can put it this way, you, you're not stuck to only developing faith in God's word. And here's what I mean by that. In life, there are all kinds of evil things happening in life today. In the world today, there are, people are struggling with finances. People are struggling with their jobs. Uh, marriages are, are uh, falling apart. Um, children are running away from the house and not following God. I mean, there's all kinds of struggles. And I believe a lot of it has to do with what people are setting their minds and their ears and their eyes upon. Uh, eventually, what you hear and what you see will take over your mind. And I'm a firm believer, this may sound hard, but I'm a firm believer that our lives directly reflect how much of God's word we actually believe. Our lives directly affect how much of God's word we believe. Now, we know that there's more than just believing. There's applying the word. There's living the word. There's taking action. There's confessing the word. But it all starts with a belief system in our hearts. And I'm not talking about... You think God is real. I'm talking about you believe God is real. I'm not talking about you think God is a healer. I'm talking about you believe God is a healer. Because we're real quick to apply the word for someone else or say, oh, yeah, healing is yours. But then when it happens to us, that's when the struggle comes. Why? Because you're under the oppression, the natural oppression. You're feeling the pain. Um, you're seeing your bank account being depleted and bills not getting paid. You're actually feeling it. It's a lot easier when, when we are um, you know, trying to help someone else through something. And we can stand in faith all day for them. But what about us? What about ourselves? And our testimony uh, falls to the wayside because we're dealing with all these things. And what I want to do today is help you build your faith, but... What I'm going to identify is not just that um, God is your healer or God is your provider and you just believe in him and good things will happen. I'm, we're going to adjust responsibility on your part, and that is to govern what we're hearing. What, what, what are we listening to? You know, if a news reporter came on um, the channel 
uh, you know, down in Florida, you we have a lot of hurricanes, or hurricane season is a big issue down there. And it's amazing. It is unbelievable how quick people will act off of a meteorologist on the news that they don't know. have no clue who he is personally. They personally don't know. I mean, you know that he's the meteorologist and that he's on the news. And the second that he says there's a storm coming, it's amazing to see how people, how quick people react, especially over on the beach because I was real close to the beach. I mean – I mean, you can drive down the beach and things are boarded up. People are leaving. You you see the traffic is everywhere. People are, you know, getting out of town. And it's amazing how quick we respond to something like that. You read in the the newspaper that something's happening with the economy, and, and immediately people start responding and reacting to those things. And God's word is no less truth than any of that. In fact, it's more truth. It's more firm because I have seen many times a news reporter say, a storm's coming, get ready, get out of town, board it up, you know, get out, and nothing hits. Is God's word more true than that? Or we have, you know, uh, it, you know people that deal with the economy and, and deal with, you know, financial um you know, analysts and all this stuff that look at money all the time and say, man, you know, this is about to happen, and it never happens. Or maybe something crashes, and they never saw it coming. You know, I'm thankful that I've got a God that can see into the future and knows exactly what's going to happen. He can help me with the weather. He can help me with my body. I mean, going to the doctor and getting a, a doctor's report, and that's more truth to some people than the Word of God. And so what they end up doing is surrounding their lives and, and everything they hear and everything they see with that. And now the flow of information has changed from being God's word, and now we've actually built faith in the weather guy. We've established faith in the doctor. We've established faith in the banking guy that's saying, hey, you got your investments here, but this thing's getting ready to happen, and You see what I'm saying? Faith comes by hearing, period. But then he goes on to finish a sentence and he says, and faith or in hearing by the word of God. So what we're saying is, is faith in God is developed by putting yourself to his word. The second you get that doctor's report, We need to go to see what the Word says about it. The second that uh, you see something happening with your finances, let's go to the Word. What does the Word say about it? You see what I'm saying? Faith comes by hearing. And that word hearing is understanding. Our lives reflect how much of God's Word we believe. And faith is built upon and strengthened on God's Word. So if you want your life to reflect what God's word says about you, then where do we need to be putting our hearing and our understanding and our eyes? In God's word. And this is what's going to the wayside. People are struggling with things. People are dealing with things in their lives. And people, a lot of people are failing. I mean, people are oppressed. People are underneath stuff. And it's simply because we're not giving attention to God's word. One of God's uh, most direct uh, and uh, repetitive statements in the Old Testament was, give ear to my sayings. Attend your ear 
to what my word says. Meditate on my word day and night. It's constantly going back to his word because his word is the foundation. You build on anything else and it will crumble. You build on anything else and nothing is as sure, nothing is as firm as the word of God. This goes for everybody in this room. I'm not excluded that there are times that things come against me. And just because I'm a pastor and just because I'm up here preaching, it doesn't mean that I have to be in the word any less. It doesn't, uh, it, your position in life and who you are and what you do does not exclude you from having to be in the word of God. So we have to watch our flow of information, our flow of information. Let's look over here in uh, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to tell you right now, um, and I made this statement on Wednesday, I'm not the only one that's preaching to you. If I'm your pastor, I'm not the only one that preaches to you. And I don't mean you're going to another church or you're watching another pastor. I'm saying that everything in this world and everything in life is talking to you daily, every day. Your bank account will preach to you. The news guy will preach to you. Doctors will preach to you. Family members will preach to you. The word preach is just simply to declare or proclaim something. That's all it is. And I'm going to tell you this. All those other things are preaching something contrary to what I'm giving you today. So that's called opposition. And you can't oppose something that you don't know. What I'm doing right now is giving you knowledge in an area. And tomorrow morning, you may find something in your life that opposes what I'm telling you today. That's opposed to the word of God. That will bring opposition and is against what his word says. Okay? Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 20. Jesus walked by a fig tree here and it wasn't bearing any fruit. And so he cursed it. And the disciples and him walked by the next day, and it was cursed. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Look at this in verse 22. And whatever, everyone say whatever. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, when I was growing up, this verse was huge. And uh, people in, specifically in a movement called the Word of Faith movement, took it too far and didn't see this verse for what it is. And it became a selfish thing. So whatever became that big boat that I want. And whatever became those nice cars that I want. And that big house that I want. But we know now that in the kingdom, every resource that we have belongs to God. Belongs to the Lord. My vehicle belongs to the Lord. My house belongs to the Lord. I mean, there's people uh, here that have opened up their houses to people when they come in town. Why? Because it's not my house. They come in town. They need a place to stay. I've got it. Um, I don't know how many times I've used my truck. You know, and, and people, people have told me, man, you're probably wanting to get rid of your truck because every time someone needs to move, 
Who do they call? And I, I've helped people, a lot of people move. And people tell me, man, you, you probably wish you didn't have that truck, huh? No. I'm glad I have the truck because I get to help somebody. It is not my truck. It belongs to God. If he tells me to help somebody move, then I'm going to help them move. Anyone here need help moving? I can help you. Okay? I'll pull a trailer. We'll load it up in my truck. We'll make trips. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It's his resource. So this whatever um, got pushed to the wrong side. But I want to realign it because in doing that, now people discredit this verse and say that you can't just believe God for whatever. But that's just not true because Jesus said it. Is Jesus a liar? Jesus is not a liar. And he said whatever things. He didn't put any limitation limitation on it. Man puts limitations. Well, God can't really do that for me. Or God doesn't really want, want, want me to have that. God doesn't really want me to be healed. I mean, he, you know, he's trying to show me something, and, and I'm learning it. Whatever. We need to grasp that word. We need to understand that word, whatever. Whatever. Jesus is saying, whatever. But God, I, I need a better job so I can make it to church on time. Whatever. God, I, 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 need, I need, you know, more finances. I, I need a better job so I can, you know, stay at home and be with my kids more often. Whatever. God, I, you know, I need healing in my body, and, and the doctors are saying this thing is incurable, and they can't do anything about it. Whatever. That's what Jesus is saying. We have to grasp this. We put limitations on God. We say, God can't do that, or God doesn't want to do that, or God's not able to do that. Or it's not God's timing. We've all heard that one. You notice he cursed this tree. And within 24 hours the thing is gone. The disciples are walking back by and say, wait a minute. How did that thing, how did that thing wither up so fast? And Jesus looks at him and says, whatever. And he says, this is just a fig tree. He said, if you say this to your mountain. Sometimes we get things in our lives that look like mountains, right? But even Jesus said, even the mountains can be removed, cast into the sea, if you only believe, if you only have faith. But there's two parts to this. Look what he says. In verse 21, Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have what? Faith. And do not what? Here we go. See, there's a stipulation here. If you have faith, and do not doubt. There's two sides. There's two sides. And sometimes we get over in the faith side. And we say, yeah, I have faith. I believe God can do that. And then doubt. You know how doubt arises? Let me tell you where doubt comes from. Doubt comes when you consider other information. When you consider other alternatives. This is how doubt comes. Doubt comes when you take your attention off of God's word and onto the, what, what the doctors say. Doubt comes when you take your attention off of God's word and what he's already said about the situation. And you look at your bank account and it's preaching. I said these things are preaching to you. These things are declaring something. These things are proclaiming something. But it's not true. But how many believers are walking around having lies operating in their life? 
I mean, things that aren't true, things they should not be dealing with, things that they should not be, uh, should not be taking their time, should not be taking their energy, should not be taking their attention. But if we place, see, if your, if your mind is occupied, we've been talking about the mind on Wednesdays. If your mind is occupied with the word, there's no room for anything else. And what God is trying to do in building our faith, he's trying to remove all other alternatives. He's trying to remove other options out of our life. And the area is that we don't, it's not that we don't believe that God can do it. We just need to strengthen our faith. You know, Jesus looked at his disciples. Um, he said at one time that they had little faith. Another time he said that they had weak faith. You can have faith, but it needs to be built up. It needs to be strengthened. It can grow. Your faith can grow. And how do you strengthen it? How do you build it? Getting God's word. Attend your ear to his sayings. Simply believe him at his word. Faith is this. Faith is simply a firm persuasion. Faith is a persuasion that's so firm that you can't be moved off of it. That nothing will take you off of it. I don't care what the doctors say. God's word says this. I don't care what my bank account says. God says this. I don't care what they said at my job. God says this. I worked um, for several years when I was down in Florida and I still had to work outside the church. I worked for several years in a bank. And that was during the time where the economy was just going down. And I'm talking, man, girls around me are just coming in scared, anxious, worried. They don't know, is this going to be the last day? And it was just funny to see their faces when they would get around me and bring up the subject. And, man, you know, you know they heard they shut down that other branch. You know, we're going to be next. I mean, you know, we're just not bringing in, you know, the amount of money we need. And, you know, they really don't need us here. And, you know, I, I think we we'll to have to start looking. And they'd bring up these topics, and I'm not, I'm not worried with them. I'm not, there's no anxiety with me. And they, they, it bothered them. Your faith will bother people. You'll be in faith so much that they'll either say, give me what you got or get away from me because you're so optimistic about everything that I don't even want to be around you. It's going to do one of the two. Okay? Jesus did this. Jesus, you know, wasn't, you know, just bringing everyone to him. People, everyone was just so excited about, man, I just want what you got. There were people around him that got so sick of him that they had to get rid of him because he had the answer. And some people don't want the answer. Some people enjoy wallowing in their problems. Some people enjoy being negative. And these girls around me, I'm telling you, man, they were just scared out of their minds. And they look at me, and I smile. Why? Because my job wasn't my provision. God is my provider. He's going to provide for me regardless of this paycheck does it or somebody else or something else does it. That's not my... That's not my provision. If I'm putting in my time to, at this job, then I can expect to receive a paycheck. But that God's my provider, period. And he's not going to see his child. I'm righteous. I know that I'm righteous. I know I'm living right. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I have full access to his privilege. What? What I do? I didn't put my mind to their problems and just listen them out and then get in there and say, yeah, man, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I heard that they were, you know, 
cutting some staff over at the other branch. I wonder if they're going to do that with us. I wasn't having those conversations. And, and I would tell them, sometimes your faith is going to require you to be bold. Sometimes it's going to require you to step up and say something to someone else that is, doesn't want to hear a word you have to say about it. This happens. And what does it do? It just strengthens your faith. What, how did I get my faith strengthened in that area? I stayed in his word. I knew that he was my provider. And it was a firm persuasion. Nothing's going to get me off of it. And I tell them, they can shut it down today and I'm not going to lack for a thing. My bills will be paid on time. I'll pay my rent. Everybody that I, you know, everything that I owe money to, it'll be taken care of. I'll have food to eat. I'll have gas in my car. I'll make my car payments. Why? Because my job's not my provider, and I was firmly persuaded on that. And, you know, eventually I had people asking me, okay, what is it? How, how do you know this? What, what? And it opens the door. I'm telling you that the people in your jobs and in your workplaces and around you that, uh, you know, may make fun of you, may want to have nothing to do with you, when things hit rock bottom and they're ready to start looking up, guess who they're coming to? Amen. Because you've been living it out. You've been living it out. I'm telling you, we're about to make influence everywhere we go. The knowledge that we're getting is about to cause us to be people of influence, to cause us to be people that will go into our workplaces and go around our families. And when everything else is saying, you can't, we're going to come in and say, you can because God's word says it. Amen? So we see here that there's two parts. Have faith with no doubt. Do not doubt. Doubt arrives when you consider other information. Doubt arrives when you start giving attention to something that is against what God says. And whatever occupies your mind... Whatever, whatever is occupying your mind, whatever's taking space there, will direct your lifestyle. Your lifestyle will begin to reflect what you believe in. And if you don't believe God's word is really true in this, your lifestyle will reflect that. You'll see anxiety start to show up. You'll see worry. You'll see fear. Sickness will run its course. Okay? So we have to strengthen our faith. And do not doubt. Don't consider other information. Don't look at other info. Don't look at the flow that's coming from the world. We have to get the word uh, within us so much. The Holy Spirit will bring remembrances where when things start coming, he'll actually remind you things. He'll actually pop things up in your brain. saying, but my word says this. I mean, I'm sure all of us have been in situations where we've had conversations with people and things just started coming up by the Holy Spirit. And, just, and you just started bringing stuff up. And you weren't thinking that. You weren't thinking, I need to go there. I need to tell them that. And the Holy Spirit just starts bringing up conversations and things to say. The Holy Spirit will do that. He wants you to be the answer. He wants the church in this world, in this earth, to be the answer to people's problems. Not dealing with the same thing. And we have too many believers. We have too many believers that are just going through what everyone else is going through. Jesus said, you are in the world, but not of the world. I'm not limited to this government. I'm not limited to this economic system. I'm not limited to this health care system. Because in my kingdom where I'm from, in God's kingdom, 
They have a health care plan that's way better. They have an economic system that's way better. They have a government system that's way better. And when you know you're righteous to that, when you know that you're in right standing with God's authority, with his kingdom, you're living purposefully, you're doing what he's called you to do, you can expect those things. Not, not, not stuck to what the world says I have to do. Not stuck to what the world says that I need to have. They say I, I have to have this kind of health care. No, I don't. Because I can pray to God. And he said that whatever I need, if I believe it, I will receive it. It's that simple. And we try to talk God out of it, and we, try, we talk ourselves out of it, and say, well, yeah, but you know, I mean, we've we got to have this in place, and we've got to do this right. No, these are the two dynamics that God says to have in place. Have faith, do not doubt. That simple. Have faith, do not doubt. Do not consider other information. A mind occupied with the word cannot be occupied with the world. It cannot be occupied with what the world's saying and what's happening. We're not, we're not directed by that. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. If you want to drive out doubt in your life, you have to fill it with something else. If you want to drive out doubt in your mind... You have to fill it with something else. You have to replace it. You can't just say, okay, well, I, I won't doubt God's word anymore. But now we have to learn what God's word says about that situation. Now we have to learn what does God say about what I'm in right now. Who does he say that I am? What does he say I have access to? What does he say about the sickness in my body? What does he say about my finances? Because otherwise... You're just leaving an open door for the enemy to come in, and you are your, your mind is filled by what you see and what you hear. Your mind is filled with, with what you see and what you hear. I told someone this the other day in a conversation I was having. They were struggling with some stuff, and um, this just came up in me, that David and Goliath, David's battle with Goliath, was over before David ever drew a stone. He defeated Goliath when he told him who his God was and who he is. You look back at that. Him and Goliath had a war of words before they ever drew any kind of spears. and That's why David said, I, I don't need this armor. The armor he had was guarding his mind. And all those years that he was out in the, in the field with the sheep, praising his God, worshiping his God, and giving attention to who God is and who God saw him as, that's huge. Most of us don't see ourselves the way God sees us. So we need to find out how God sees us. We're relying on God to do a bunch of stuff, and he's saying, I've already given you that authority. I've already given you that power to take care of that. Just see yourself the way that I already see you. But David's battle with Goliath, he won that war with his words before he ever drew a stone, before he ever charged Goliath. He didn't have to do anything physically. He beat him in his mind and with his mouth. 
So if you want to win the battle against your Goliath, I mean, you think about Goliath, not only is he bigger, but he's a soldier. He's in, a, he's in military. He's a military man. He's a fighter. I mean, tactic alone, regardless of his size, could have beat a little kid from the field who watches sheep. But David had his mindset on who his God is, who he is in God's kingdom, how God sees him, and he was able to overcome that thing at way before he ever charged him, way before he ever drew a stone. That's huge. So we've got to fill our minds with something. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Uh, you can uh, also see that as saying, Have the God kind of faith. Have the faith of God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. Where? In his heart. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have, here it is again, whatever he says. Therefore, I say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And we looked at this verse before that he's asking you he's saying if you believe it when you pray you will receive it many of us we don't believe it until we receive it many of us were praying and praying and praying you wouldn't keep praying and asking god for the same thing if you believed he gave it to you the first time you asked so now we need to change our position to thankfulness. How would you act if you already were healed? How would you act if your bills were already paid? How would you act if you knew that your job was taken care of and God was your provider? How would you act? What would your response be? What would your mentality be? See, these things have to shift the second that we ask in faith and do not doubt. Doubt will pull you off of your position of faith. Doubt will cause you to take a position of worry and fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. Look, the devil cannot do anything to you without getting you in a position of fear. Just like God can't do anything for you until you get in a position of faith. The devil's weapon is fear. And your weapon back is faith. That's why it's a shield of faith. That's why we have to put up that shield of faith, blocking the fear. Paul said to guard your mind. If you keep your mind guarded, you, that means nothing else is getting in. And the way you keep it guarded is think on these things. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are right, whatever things are noble, whatever things are good. Out of Philippians. That's Philippians chapter 2. When you think on those things, when you guard your mind with those things, there's no way the enemy can get in with fear. There's no way he can get in. The devil can do nothing to you uh, without getting you in a position of fear. And God can't do anything for you without getting you in a position of faith. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that with faith or without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't even please him. You can't even be acceptable to him. You can't even be pleasing to him without being in a position of faith. Period. Without having that firm persuasion, I can't please my father. 
I can't please my king. My life isn't pleasing to him. Why? Because I'm walking contrary to what he says. I mean, if you really love someone, you'll believe what they say. And you'll do what they say. That's just, that's period. And that's what righteousness is. Righteousness is just simply believing God at his word. The word says uh, over in Romans that Paul, or uh, not Paul, that Abraham, that Abraham was counted as righteous. This is way before Jesus died on the cross. This is, Abraham was not born again. Abraham did not accept Jesus into his heart as Lord and Savior and became righteous. You know how Abraham was righteous? He simply believed God at his word. When God said, hey, I need you to move over here into this country, he got up and did it. When God said, uh, I, you know, believe me that I'm going to give you a son, you're going to become a father of many nations, he did it. And he believed and he stood. When God said, I need you to take your son, your only son that I just gave you, and sacrifice him on a burnt altar, he did it. That's righteousness. That's just simply saying, okay, God, I put it in your hands. I believe you at your word, what you say. That's faith, and that's righteousness. You cannot even please God without having a position of faith. You can't even please him. So faith is important. Faith is important. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We saw earlier in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we identify that that word hearing is more than just listening to something. That word uh, hearing is more than just, you know, taking it in and processing it in your mind even. There is a belief that has to take place. There's a persuasion that has to take place. There's a comprehension. You've got to understand what's being said. You've got to know. You've got to know. You can't just hear. The word says, do not be hearers of the word only, but doers. We have to be doers of the word. So Matthew chapter 13, 13 verse 10. Matthew 13, verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He just got done uh, giving the parable of the sower to the people, to the multitudes. And now his disciples come and ask him, Why do you speak to them in parables? In verse 11, he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Not to them. Uh, look here, right after that he says, But to them it has not been given. Jesus immediately identifies that uh, there is a you and there's a them. There's an us in this circle and there's a them. And, and we, we walk around preaching that, uh, that God, you know, Jesus was on the earth and he was just loving and accepting to everybody. He wasn't. You know what Jesus was looking for? He was looking for people that would sacrifice to know the kingdom and to be in the kingdom. That's what Jesus was looking for. In fact, he himself said, do not cast your pearls before swine. Jesus isn't just running around explaining these parables to everybody. He explained these par this parable here to 12 people. And he spoke to... Multitudes. I mean, verse 1 says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered, so much that he had to get into a boat. That's how many people were here. 
And he turns around to 12 people and says, to you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Verse 12, for whoever has, to him will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear. Here it is, nor do they understand. What's he saying? They hear what I'm saying, but they're not processing. They're not comprehending. They're not making the sacrifice to understand the word. I'm going to tell you right now that if you want to understand the scripture, if you want to understand the the word, which brings faith, there's a sacrifice to be made. This is where the responsibility comes in. Okay? I'm going to tell you right now, it's not good enough that you just come and you sit here for an hour and a half or an hour and, and listen to me talk. It's not good enough. I mean, you can come to all three services every week. It's not good enough. You know, when I was in um, children's ministry, um, you know, sometimes in children's ministry you deal with children that uh, aren't churched. They're not church children, which means they don't know how to act in church. And, um, you know, in, in staff meetings that I have with our workers, you know, they would just want to they get upset and become impatient with those kind of kids and, um, you know, say, can we just send them out to their parents? And I say, you know what, with those kids, I'm even more patient with. Because here's the problem. They don't go to church and most likely don't have parents that care at all to put the word in front of them Monday through Friday. I tell you right now, their schools aren't giving it to them. Their friends aren't giving it to them. Their families aren't giving it to them. So you know where I'm going to have them? Right here with me. And I get to talk to them for one hour a week. One hour. They're in school eight hours, Monday through Friday. Who knows what they get to watch when they get home? Who knows what they hear from their parents and what kind of talk and trash they hear around the house? So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to value every second that I have with this child because I'm going to make this one hour count for all the rest of the junk they have to deal with. MTV's talking to them. Their parents are talking to them, telling them how dumb they are, how stupid they are, how they're not going to amount to anything. Not giving them the word. I'm going to give them the word. And I've seen that hour bear fruit more than all the other hours of the week. Why? Because the Word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper. And it's drawing people. But I have to value that. I'm not going to send them out to their parents. I'm more patient with those type of children. Because they need to hear the Word of God. The Word of God will change your life. But for us as adults, for us that are more mature, for us that can take time to study the Word, we need to be doing that. Coming to church is not good enough. If this is just a religious thing that you do, and, and, and if you, you know, are just doing this so you can feel better about your week, or, you know, hope that, all right, God, you got to take care of my Monday because I gave you my Sunday morning, uh, it's, it's not going to work that way. This is the starting process. This is just the ground floor that I'm 
laying seed in, and now it's up to you to bear that fruit and continue to meditate on the Word. What does that do? That waters it. That waters that seed and causes it to grow, causes it to bear fruit. And it's not fruit for you. An apple tree does not make apples for itself. An apple tree makes apples so it can feed others. Your influence is dependent on you getting this word here and then getting in the word and watering it and sowing to it. Okay? So that's what Jesus is talking about here. And he's talking about the parable of the sower, and he just identified that his disciples, they had sacrificed. They had given up their time. They had given up their lives. They have given up their families. They've given up their jobs to follow him. And now he says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To you it has been given the understanding and the comprehension. Because the others, they hear. And they don't, by hearing, they don't hear me. By seeing, they don't see, nor do they understand. I mean, it was even prophesied, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing, you will hear, and shall not understand. Seeing, you will see, and not perceive. That just simply means comprehend, understand. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the religious leaders that have actually shut out God's word. Because they've become so ritualistic and religious in their thinking. And i got to do this and look this way and talk this way and don't wear this. And i got to pray here and pray like this and give like this. And it's all been about what they're doing instead of actually understanding what God's word says. That's who he's talking about. But look what he says in verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. You'll be blessed if you understand God's word. You want to see God's blessings come to pass in your life? Understand his word. Truly desire and sacrifice your life and your time to understand his word and to know his word. This is how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, understanding, and hearing by the word of God. Understanding his word. So let's look in verse 18 because this is where he explains it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. It's funny that he says that. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. What do you think his disciples are thinking right there? Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. And they're probably thinking, we just heard it. So explain it. (laughs) He's saying, therefore, hear But what does that word here mean? Understand it. Therefore, understand. Why? Because you have ears to hear and eyes to see, eyes to comprehend, ears to understand. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, look, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown. Was the word sown? Yeah, what am I doing right now? I'm sowing the word. I'm giving it to you. But for a lack of understanding, the enemy will come and snatch it away. He'll actually come and take it. He's a thief. He has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he will come and he will take this word. If you do not give understanding to it, if you do not sacrifice time to... Be one of the twelve instead of one of the multitudes. Be one of the us instead of one of the them. 
the enemy will snatch the word. He will take the word. And guess what? Word that is taken away cannot bear fruit in your life. Word that is stolen away from you, it's not going to be revealed in your life. So we have to give understanding. This is he who received seed by the wayside. You know, I've always looked at that and thought, okay, the, the seed by the wayside, that's the seed that didn't land on anything. But he just said that it was sown. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But look at this. Yet he has no root in himself, endures only for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. There's that opposition I was talking about. That's when here in church, you're hearing what I'm saying to you, and you're excited. Yeah, God is my provider. It's so awesome. You get to work, and people start grumbling and complaining, and you show up, and you're excited, and you're so joyful, and then they start bringing opposition. You really believe that? You really believe God's word? I can't believe you actually believe that. I can't believe you even waste your time going to church. And because you buy into that, now opposition has come, the trials and tribulations have shown up. And actually, I'm not even talking about trials and tribulations. I'm talking about opposition to the word, specifically the word. What I'm telling you today will bring opposition. Do not be surprised when the time comes and you find yourself in a position of having to fight something off. This is a fight of faith. We're not, this isn't lay back and wait faith. It's not a, the vacation of faith. It's the fight of faith. Which means we're going to battle through some stuff. But it's a faith in God. Okay? So because of, oppos- because of the word, opposition comes. Look at this. Endures only for a while. It's a, a short time is not going to do it. A short time is not going to do it. There's no root. There's no foundation. You're not firmly persuaded. What happened to the man in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, that built his house? And there was one that built his house on the rock. And there was one that built his house on sand. You know, that's beachfront property right there. That's some good looking, it's a good looking house. I'm sure it looked great. But what came? The storm. The storms of life. The trials and tribulations came. And whose house stood? The one on the rock. The one built on the word. Firmly persuaded. I did a message several years ago called a firm a firm persuasion on a firm foundation because you can build on all kinds of stuff you can build on the doctor's report i tell you what that ain't that's not a firm persuasion i've been in some situations and with some doctors where by the hour their little report changes if they don't know that's why they call it practicing they don't know what they're they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. Yes, they go to school and I'm not discrediting doctors at all. But when it comes to being a firm persuasion, there's only one, and that is God's word. Amen. Period. They can guess and they can do their tests and they can do their C T scans and they can do their X rays and they can do all this stuff. They can draw all the blood they want. But when it comes down to it, God's word has already said something about your situation. And that is the most firm persuasion you can get on. That's the most firm foundation you can be in. And that is what is going to stand. 
when that storm comes, when the trial comes, when the tribulation comes, you will stand on God's word and it won't move. And if it doesn't move, you won't move. All right, let's look at the next one. Verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Again, they've heard the word. All four of these people have heard the word. And look at what, look what comes in. The cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and becomes unfruitful. Choke it and becomes unfruitful. So now we've got selfish desires and ambitions, um, cares of the world, such as things that uh, lure you away from church, lure you away from the word. Look, this process of planting and bearing fruit in the word is just that, a process. It doesn't stop with the seed going in the ground. It doesn't stop with it taking root. It doesn't stop with it starting to come up out of the ground. Because the end result, bearing fruit, if that doesn't take place, the whole process is unsuccessful. And bearing fruit is what? It's all about what you have to give to others. That's what the bearing fruit part is all about. And if you get stopped, uh, Pastor Earl likes to say this a lot, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And if we don't finish what we started, then I don't care how far along you got in the process. We've got to build the whole way. It can't just land by the wayside. It can't just start to take a little bit of root. It can't just start to sprout a little bit. We've got to get all the way to where we are bearing fruit. That's the only kind of crop that's going to help us out. Otherwise, you just look good. That's all it is. That's what religion is. Just something that looks good. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the elders, that's all they were. Just looking good. On the outside, and you know what Jesus called them? Whitewashed tombs. Man, you're all scrubbed down, looking good, got your sharp suit on, you got your three-piece going, you're saying all the right things, doing all the right things, talking to the right people, hanging out with the right crowd, but when it comes down to it, there's nothing on the inside and there's no fruit coming out of you. You're helping nobody. And that right there shows you that God did not put, put you in this earth to just take care of yourself. This is about our influence. This is about your influence in the earth. We're supposed to be answering people's problems. People are supposed to be coming to us saying, this is, what you, this is the issue. What am I supposed to do here? And we're supposed to help them through that. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's not, about, it's not about just looking good. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, they choke the word. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, look, and understands it. There's the understanding. Who indeed bears fruit and produces a hundredfold, sixty and thirty. This is what your faith is to produce in you. This is what understanding brings. Understanding builds your faith that gets you out of your issue, out of your trial, out of your tribulation, so you can continue to be an influence. 
I'm telling you, everything that the enemy brings against you is for one reason. He's not just got you picked out and saying, all right, I want to put some sickness on her. I want to, you know, uh, break her ankle or I want to cause her to lose her job. You know what all these things do to you? They steal your influence. Because if you lose your job, then you can't affect the people at that job. If you're at home sick, then you can't affect anybody for the kingdom that day because you're at home tending to yourself. If you're broke, then you can't help anybody else financially. If you have no resources because the enemies broke down your car and broke down your house and broke down, then you can't help anybody else out. You're too busy taking care of your stuff. That's what the enemy's trying to do. We've got to get out of this thing that, oh, the devil's beating me down and he's smacking me down. It's not even about you. It's about your influence. And if he kills you, if he takes you out of this earth, He's just removed every bit of influence that you have with anybody you could ever affect for the kingdom of God. You know, suicide, I mean, that, that's a very selfish thing. Because you're actually, it's, it's why it's of the enemy, man. It's of the devil. I hate it. I hate the thought process of nobody cares about me. It's not about that. I can't. I just, I just hate the fact that the enemy torments people that way and makes it all about them to where they can't even see who they're supposed to be affecting. And if, you know, if we get so inward-minded and we get so stuck on us and what, how people see us, then you'll never be outward and you'll never look to take care of somebody else. Period. So that's what this whole thing is about. That's what this faith is about. Now, there's two things I want to point out real quick. Two things I want to point out, and we'll close here. We just looked at every foundation. We just looked at every foundation that the Word is being sown into. Because remember, the reason we're sowing the Word is to bring understanding, because understanding builds your faith. If anyone's lacking in faith here, build the word. Get on the word. Hear the word. And depending on your situation and depending on your level of faith will determine how much word you need to get. I know there's been times in my life where I've literally had to shut everything else down and just get in the word. Because again... If I don't get myself taken care of, I can't affect anybody else. I know people that have come down with with cancer, and they have literally uh, just had to get in their house, in their bedroom, take some days off from work, and just get in the Word 24-7. We had a lady in our church that that had cancer, and us as a pastoral staff, we had uh, seven of us, that we would take three-hour rotations around the clock for one month, every single day, going to her house and just praying. Why? Because we got to hit this thing hard. She's stuck up in a bed. She's about to die. So we take three-hour rotations. I'd go in, three hours, do nothing but pray, study the Word. If she was awake, we'd go in there and we'd pray over her, read the Word. I mean, just literally sit down next to her bed and just read the Bible to her. 
Why? Because she's in a position she can't do it for herself. And we got to get her up out of the bed because she's got an influence in the earth that we need to get her back to doing. It determines your level of faith and where you're at in the situation that's attacking you. Sometimes it will cause you to just have to get away and just let me get in the word. Let me put on some. Let me put on some music that's going to, uh, you know, bring that presence in. Let me just open up my Bible. Let me read some healing scriptures. And find things in the Bible. I mean, don't just open up to First Chronicles and just start reading it. You know, find things in your Bible that pertain to where you're at. I mean, if you're dealing with fear um, and anxiety over something, then get in the Word and find out what the Word says about fear and just read those scriptures. The Word is the answer. The Word is the answer. And we've created alternatives. I'm having an issue with my finances. Well, you know, I I guess I'm going to have to go get a loan. Wrong alternative. Well, let's see if the bank can do anything for me. Not the alternative. That's not the option God wants us to go to. I'm not saying these things are wrong. But God wants to be your first choice. Not a last resort. Well, everything else broke, so I guess I'll try God out. A little last-ditch effort, right? My goodness. That's for, that's for unbelievers, man. When, when they're on a plane and the plane's starting to go down, what's that, who's everyone calling for? <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus, if you're there, if you're real, right? Golly. That's not how we are. We're firmly planted in His Word. We're so stuck in His Word. I mean, we're waking up in the morning reading the Bible. We're going to bed at night reading the Bible. We're, we're uh, hearing messages over and over. We're not just saying, okay, well, that was Sundays. Let me just wait for Wednesdays. Get back in there and hear it again. Get around the Word. Let it feed you. It's your daily food. How many of you uh, are going to go the rest of the day without eating? How many of you are going to go the rest of the week without eating? Okay. So we've got to feed our spirit. We've got to get our food. I want to show you two hindrances to our faith. Two hindrances to our faith. Um, actually, the first one I've already shown you. The first thing that brings doubt. Hin- the hindrance to your faith is doubt, period. And we already showed you the first one that brings doubt, and that's simply considering other information. I mean, if the doctor gives you a report... Don't just find yourself meditating over that report. The doctor says, all right, we've got this problem. You know know what I like to do with that? I, I, I turn it around and say, okay, God, we've got this specific issue now. Here's what they think it is, but you're the healer, and you can fix this. Instead of having to say, God, I don't know what's wrong with my back, but, you know, there's something wrong with it. But, man, they told me exactly what vertebrae it is. They told me exactly what the, what the nerve is that's pinched or whatever. And now I can say, God, here it is. It's this one and this one. And they say this thing is doing this to this. And now we can just get specific with it. So I don't sit there. You don't, you don't sit there and consider all the different kind of treatments that they said need to happen. And all the different kind of uh, things that they said are happening. And, and I don't sit there and think, but man, you know, they said it could get worse if I don't do something soon. So, God, you're in a time crunch. He's not in a time crunch because he could fix it right there. You know what he's waiting on you to do? Build your faith. Let's get firmly persuaded in this thing. But here's the second thing. 
Here's the second thing that will destroy your faith and bring doubt. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country. We're talking about Jesus. Everyone say, own country. Came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. Again, there's that word hearing. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James? Where And and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. But look what he went doing. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He didn't just say, well, I'm out of here. The second thing that will destroy, the first thing that will destroy your faith and bring doubt is considering other information. The second thing that will destroy your destroy your faith and bring doubt is familiarity. Now, a lot of you, most everybody in this room, you know, you're just getting to know me, just getting to hear me. But this is what the enemy's doing. I mean, we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of how he works. But the number one thing he wants to do is bring familiarity between me and you. Anybody you hear. What you receive from somebody is always reflected by how you view that person. Jesus went back to his own hometown and they had a problem receiving from him. And you know why? Because they were looking at his past. Was he not this? Is he not from here? Is he not related to this person? Is he not the brother and sister of these people? And they devalued his word and what he could do based upon what they saw. So that right there tells you that at a young age, Jesus, as a teenager... Even in his 20s, he wasn't walking around healing people. He wasn't walking around doing demonstrations of God. His ministry did not start till he was 30. So he goes back home, and they see him just as a carpenter. They see him as he's, he's just the son of Mary and Joseph. He's from here. I mean, we've never had, in fact, I think well, one pastor says, has anything ever good come out of Nazareth? Come on, people want to say these things about you. Has anything good ever come out of Valdosta? Has anything good ever come out of wherever you're from? People want to say these things. People that know your past, you'll have the most influence on people that don't know you. Because what people do is they view you in light of what you've done or who you are. What the enemy wants to do here 
to be aware of how he works is he wants to devalue my word. I went to Bible school, and um, they were real quick right out the gate because what happens is, is you can talk to people that attended the school before you, before you got there, and this happened to me. I mean, graduates that I knew from this school tell you, man, this person, this person, they are awesome. This person is kind of boring. This person, you know, he's older, so he's, just, he's real slow the way he talks. And, man, they shut that down the first day I was there, orientation. They said, regardless of who your teacher is, value the word they bring and not how they bring it and not how you view them before you hear from them. Okay, so that's what the enemy wants to do. And I'm not just saying with me, but anyone that's giving you the word. The enemy will magnify faults and he will cause things to show up that will cause you to. It's not even about your relationship with me and you. It's about the word that I'm bringing. And if he can get you to see who I am in front of what I'm giving you, then you will never receive the word. That word will not bear fruit. You won't understand it because you'll stop at hearing me. Familiarity says you bore me and you have nothing for me. That's what that word means. It means you're boring to me. You can't feed me. You can't give me anything. You can't build me up. You can't strengthen me. That's what familiarity says. And this is what happened in Jesus' ministry. So what did he do? He went around teaching. He said, okay, I can't do any miracles here because there's no faith built up they can't believe for a miracle because they don't even believe in jesus so he had to do what build their faith and he went around teaching so they would hear him understand who he is and then possibly be able to do some miracles these other places i mean how easy was it for jesus to do miracles before i mean it said that he went about all the villages all the cities all the surrounding areas teaching people and healing them Remember that? And he healed all kinds of diseases, all manners of sickness, cast out all. I mean, he's just everywhere he's going, it's a piece of cake. And then he comes back home. And why? Because they had already developed. I mean, not even Jesus. This is the son of God. Not even Jesus could walk back into his hometown and then just automatically people see him that way. That was the number one thing Jesus dealt with in his entire ministry was how people viewed him. And the Pharisees and Sadducees did not see him the way God sent him to be. And that caused a problem to the point that they had to take him out. Okay? So familiarity will destroy your faith. Familiarity will break down your faith and cause you to doubt God's word. And it won't take fruit simply because of how you view someone. We cannot go here. We cannot enter into familiarity. You know, Paul, before he was uh, converted by Jesus, what was he running around doing? He's killing people. In fact, he was killing Christians, persecuting Christians, putting Christians in jail, trying to stop the message. So Paul becomes converted, you know, spends three days blind, uh, accepts Jesus as his his Lord and Savior, and answers the call. But you know what? He didn't just, I mean, think about it. You got this man that Christians are actually hiding from. They heard he was coming to Damascus, and they're already, I mean, Ananias said, you know, he was almost against God healing him. 
and changing his life. Ananias, the guy that he ended up that ended up praying with Paul, he said, "Isn't this the man that's going around killing Christians? What are you doing? You want me to heal this guy? You want me to pray with this guy? You want me to baptize this guy?" But he was obedient to do it. But Paul, when he went back out, when Paul went back out and started preaching and showing up in the synagogues, we got it. Acts chapter 9. I'll just flash it up there real quick. Acts chapter 9. Look what they said. Acts chapter 9. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. This is right after he was converted. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? See, they immediately viewed him in what he was doing before. They immediately viewed him back. It didn't matter what he was saying because all they saw was this is that man that was coming to take Christians. The enemy wants you to focus on who they are or what they did. But God had a future for Paul. God had a vision and a ministry for Paul. He went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Wrote the most books in the entire Bible. But what was he doing before that? And people got stuck there. So as believers and as we hear God's word, we can't just take it for what it is from the people that we hear it from. We've got to get past that. We've got to accept the word as truth. Familiarity will destroy faith. The last thing I want to leave you with <clears throat> is your criteria. Because, like I said earlier, we are the ones that limit God. We are the ones that put limitations and stipulations. And we put criteria on God. And say, well, if you do this, or if I do this, or if I act like this. But that's not what God says. 